Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Good afternoon and welcome to Engage for Success Radio show number 480, How to Fall Back in Love with Your Job. And today we're going to be talking about just that. So I'm Jo Dodds, your host for today. I'm an engagement consultant working within the Engage for Success movement and core team. The Engage for Success movement is an inclusive movement committed to the idea that there is a better way to work by releasing more of the capability and potential of people at work. We spread the word about employee engagement and shine a light on good practice, inspiring people and workplaces to thrive. And we're widely supported across the UK, involving the public, private and third sectors. If you go to our website, engageforsuccess.org, you can use the link at the bottom of the page to join our newsletter list and all our social media links are there too. So my guest today is somebody who's been on the show twice before. So this is uh, Beth Stallwood, who's founder of Create Work Joy. Welcome, Beth. Thanks for joining me again. <laughs> and thank you so much for having me again for the third time. It has been quite a while, so I'm excited to chat to you today. Yes, and you're, you're lucky, you know, we've got three hosts now and you have been with me every time. <laughs> it's meant to be, Jo. We're meant to be together in partnership on this one. <laughs> Lovely. So we were just reminiscing a bit before we came on about how you uh, first came to us from within a corporate and uh, now you're uh, doing other things and that's been quite a while now. So tell us a bit about who you are, what you do and where you've come from. Thanks, Jo, and thanks for the lovely introduction. Hello, everybody. I am Beth Stallwood. I am an independent consultant, facilitator, coach, podcast host, and now a recently published author, which is one I always forget to say. And people are like, no, Beth, you have actually published a book now, so make sure you tell people about it. I, am a, I wrote a book called Work Joy, a toolkit for a better working life. And I think along with Engage for Success, I am always seeking better ways to work and to help people work better. So whether that's working with... Uh, big organizations on how they do their people stuff really well and how do we change some of that work stuff that doesn't work so well, whether it's coaching people on a one-to-one basis to help them work through things that are challenges or issues or helping them unleash their potential and kind of really get to where they want to go, or even working with groups of leaders in organizations to think about actually our responsibility for culture and engagement. What do we do here and how do we practically go from where we are, wherever that is, could be good, could be great, could be, uh, we need to do something to create a better working world for people and to create better working lives really because work is a big part of our lives and we need to remember that, that it's part of life. It's not just a separate thing. Mm-hmm. So you... I've written a book and you talk about work joy and work gloom. <laughs> yeah. I think we can not too much of what those two things might be, but t- tell us a bit about how you define those two things. <laughs> yeah, so it's interesting because when I first started writing it, work gloom was called something rather unpublishable and I had to find <laughs> a new word for it. But um, when I talk about work joy, what I'm really talking about here is that – we can all imagine it, right? That positive, warm, happy feeling that you get when you're at work, when you're working or at your workplace. And obviously a few years ago, we often talked about when you're at work, but being at work is a really different thing now because we're all working in different ways. And I think it's unusual to see the word work and joy together 
in a sentence and obviously I've squished them together to create one new word um, but actually what WorkJoy is really about is a mindset and taking action and doing the things that you can do to create a working life yourself that really really works for you so I see it really linked to engagement if we can find that joy if we can find the flow if we can have the mastery of our work and the autonomy and all the different things that we know make a difference we'll be able to find that joy but it's not one of those things that you either have it or you don't it fluctuates and it kind of you know goes up and down depending on real life and real situations and things that go on but actually if we really work on it it's something that we can cultivate our careers and working worlds where we get to feel more work joy more of the time is probably what I'd say mm-hmm. and on the other side of that the opposite of that is the work gloom and this is that feeling of negativity you know that sad maybe frustrated feeling you get about work but yeah. also it's in that it's in that kind of habit and uh, the way we, we think the mindset that we get into sometimes a bit of a downward spiral of work-based negativity and that can really spill over into our life beyond work as well I'm, I'm sure we've all been there you know at times we get so grumpy and we become the computers of no people sometimes we feel like our workloads are just overwhelming and we can't do anything about it sometimes because organizations involve other human beings because they wouldn't exist if they didn't. Sometimes there's some people we find really challenging to deal with in situations. And all of these different things add up to either like a little bit of work loom, which we can usually find ourselves bouncing back from. Or if we have a culture and we're in a world where we're really not doing anything about it, we can end up in what I call chronic work gloom, which is that real feeling of negativity, like we can't get out of it. We've lost our agency and our ability to make change happen in our own lives. And that Mm. is a really hard place to be because it's so far away from feeling that joy in the moment of, oh, haven't we done something amazing? Haven't we been a brilliant team here? Haven't I just had a really great day? It's really hard to go from work gloom all the way to work joy. So we need to find ourselves ways of getting out of that gloom to then be able to build the joy. Mm. And how does it relate to employee engagement? Because obviously we often talk on this uh, podcast about, you know, what we should be doing as leaders and organizations and managers mm. and all that. Kind of stuff. And we're sort of starting at it from a different perspective today, as in, you know, take responsibility for your own job. <laughs> so yeah. How yeah. How does it employee engagement piece where we're, sort of as organizations trying to further engage our people yeah and I I think it is directly related and actually when I did work within organizations and I spent a lot of time thinking about employee engagement and doing activities and trying to make that work one of the things that I really noticed is that the people who were engaged were the people who were making an active choice to be engaged with their Mm -hmm. work to find Mm -hmm. solutions to do something so I actually think organizations of course have a responsibility for employee engagement and they do have a big responsibility for work joy and in fact often it's removing the barriers to joy versus making it happen themselves and I think it's really related in the fact that individuals and organizations can work together on both engagement and joy and joy I would say is probably a fundamental factor of being engaged if you never feel any joy at work I think it would be really really hard to feel that sense of engagement so Mm. it's they're almost one and the same thing but different in that one comes at it from that joy perspective and one comes at it from engagement perspective but actually what we're talking about here is that mission that you're on better ways to work like finding better ways to work. And I think as organizations and as leaders, one of the things we need to think about is how do we create 
culture? How do we create systems? How do we create processes that don't bake in gloom? So there's almost like a, how do we do that? Because when you look at joy and we look at the research on joy and we think about actually what makes people joyful, those can be wildly different things depending on who you are, your style, your preferences, your background. There are so many different factors that influence what brings you joy. So as an example, for me, a really simple thing that will bring you joy is a really nice notepad and pen, right? Really easy. For someone else, they wouldn't care a dot about that, but they might care about, you know, something different. So the things that bring us joy range from those little tiny things, little moments, micro moments, to really big, like fundamental factors like culture, which is so hard to define, but actually everyone feels it. Whereas when we look at it from a gloom perspective, often we find more thematics and more, um, regularly stated things that bring gloom. There's often more themes around it. So as an example, um, and you'll know this from all of your work in employee engagement, often it's things like, do I have the technology to do my job well? Or do I have the tools, the systems, the processes to do my job really well? And you'll mm-hmm. go into some organizations and they'll say, well, it takes me 25 minutes to get my laptop working in the morning. So I've wasted the first 25 minutes of my day and you're starting your day on something that is not productive, something that's not gloomy. Now, actually, as an organization, that's an organization problem to solve, not an individual problem to solve. They can't make that go quicker. Um, So there are problems like that that exist in organizations. There's things like overly complicated processes when you could just on your mobile phone tick a button that would be much better. So there are so many things that organizations can do that remove the barriers to joy and remove the work gloom that will then enable the individuals to really focus on what it is that brings them joy. And then if you look at it from the middle level, from like the leadership level, I think this is about really deeply understanding for your team and your people, what is it that brings them joy and how you can build more of that into the, the job, the roles, the team stuff that you do. So, you know, if you've got someone who really gets joy from spending loads of time around people please 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 don't put them in an office on their own looking at spreadsheets all day it's not going to create that joy but you need to know what it is that does bring that sense of joy that sense of engagement that sense of i can do great things around here so often it's just about asking those questions getting to understand what it is and then working through a process to do more of it and i'm not saying you can do it 100 percent of the time for everybody but Mm. just a little bit makes a massive difference and we often there's some research actually that's really interesting it says we often overestimate the time it takes to feel joy and it's so often in those kind of small moments and in the little things that we do but doing them regularly that bring more people more joy mm. so if we stick with a sort of organizational perspective on it i mean i'm just thinking about the fact that we talk about the four enablers and we talk about treating people as individuals and we talk about giving people employee voice it strikes me that actually asking people what brings them joy and what makes them have work gloom instead would probably be a good start (laughs) is that your suggestion yeah 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 absolutely it's like a really basic simple thing you could do in your organization is to ask people that question what brings you joy at work and actually people find that quite hard to answer so be prepared for some uh oh I'm not sure about that I don't really know but people will always be able to tell you what brings them gloom. People will always be able to tell you what's wrong. So even if you start there and you can, you know, even if you could fix one of those problems, you would be in a better position. But actually what I often get people to do, and it's a free resource that's um, on my website, do a tracker 
for a week, one working week, whenever your week starts, whenever your week ends. And just every day, get your team or ask your team if they want to do it to fill in what it is that's brought them joy and what it, ha- what it is that hasn't. And what you often find there is they then go, oh, okay, yeah, that is what I really like. I've got some examples. I know what that is. I can describe it better when you're looking at the joy. And then you can really, as a team, look at those themes around what is the stuff that we're doing that's not really working here, that's creating a challenge, that's creating some problems that we could really, really work through as a team and, and create a better way to work in our team or in our organization so Mm -hmm. sometimes we might need to give people a few tools to be able to understand what it is that works for them and what doesn't Mm -hmm. and what would you say to like I know some people who just don't like going to work and whatever happens (laughs) they'd rather just like wallow in the fact that it's rubbish and they don't want to be there which I don't get at all because I sort of think well you know (laughs) much nicer ways to live your life I agree. And actually, if you look at the if you look at the um, stats on it, these these blow my mind is that um, work on average in our lives is 35 percent of our waking hours. It totals 90,000 hours in in our lives. It's it's a massive part of and that's on average. It's a massive part of what most people do in their lives. And work can be brilliant. It can be life affirming. It can be really reassuring. It can give you structure. It can give you purpose. So there are so many reasons why humans work and it's actually really good for us to work. But if somebody's coming at it with a mindset of like a mood hoover, and there's a bit of a chapter of mood hoovers uh, in the book, if you're coming at it like that, you're never going to change. So one of the things I talk about is actually the, the work joy mindset and being able to understand that you can change it if you want to. But if people are going to make the choice, it's like engagement, isn't it? People are going to make the choice. Are they going to decide to kind of embark on this? Are they going to get on the bus? Is it something they're interested in? But a mm. lot of people, a lot of people have got either such chronic gloom or are so far away from a work joy mindset or even an engagement mindset, whatever you would like to call it that it's going to be really hard to take them on that journey mm. because people we all, people have to make that decision. Like you can take a horse to water, right? You can't make it drink. We can't mm. actually force people to be engaged. I think it's a, isn't it? Oh my God. Wouldn't it be much nicer in life if for your own lives, for everybody's lives, if you didn't have to be miserable at work. And there is one of the challenges I think we find is there are so many, if you think about social media and memes and things that go on and all these like, um, quite cynical things about work it's just Mm. not a great place to start from all those memes about oh it's hump day we have to get over hump day and don't worry there's only two more days left and we often find that people are in that you know like the sunday night anxiety that pit of the stomach oh i don't like it i'm not sure about work i'm feeling a bit uh, anxious about it i i truly believe and i i may be totally on the optimism side here and i'm fine to admit that but i truly believe that if we really look at this subject and we really think about this we could as a movement like with people like engage with success move towards people on a sunday night going i'm really excited about what i'm going to go into this week i am really looking forward to spending time with my boss and my colleagues i am really really well looked after i'm cared for i feel like i have a sense of belonging i am able to do the stuff like good work that is really engaging to me where i use my strengths and i want to i think i'm on a bit of a mission really to turn sunday night anxiety to sunday night excitement and to really get people wanting to be at work I've probably mm-hmm. gone off like and not answered your question there. <laughs> no, of course. I think it's 
taking everyone around for sure. So when we um, promoted the, the show, we talked about, or you'd said that there were three strategies for looking at your job with fresh eyes. And, you know, we, we've, we've entitled the, the um, show How to Fall Back in Love with Your Job. Um, so what are those strategies? How can people do that individually? Yeah. And first of all, I would say it's, you could fall back in love with your job or you could fall in love with your job. Maybe you've never quite felt that. <laughs> and yeah. So I, I'm all about how do we practically do some of this stuff? Because philosophically, I don't think there's many people in the world who go, no, work should be rubbish. We should all feel rubbish when we're at work. I'm not sure people buy into that. But actually going from wherever you are right now to feeling more joyful can feel like a bit of a, oh, how do I actually do that? So I was thinking about this, you know, there are so many things in the world going on right now. A lot of people think, oh, I have to leave my organization or I have to leave my job if I'm going to be able to get what I really want. But for some people, that's not possible right now. And for some people, it's not going to be the thing that they want to do. And I just really encourage people to really think about before you move organizations is to do the work on actually, could this job be great for me and even if it isn't even if you decide actually I am feeling a bit gloomy here and I do want to go to a new organization or I do want a career change or whatever it is if you've done the work here you'll go into whatever new organization you go into knowing how to do it so you will be kind of a few steps ahead because so often we do end up jumping out of the fire pan and into the into the fire right there is that I'm going somewhere else because this feels bad but I haven't done I haven't done the work. So there are a few things that I would really recommend. And there are so many different things that you could do, but there are three that keep coming up regularly. So I thought I'd share these three with you. And the first one is about your boundaries. And I think especially since the pandemic with lots of people working more flexibly, with lots of people working remotely, with us using technology as a main source of kind of connection and communication in many cases, that boundary between work life and home life is really disappearing before our eyes and it has been actually it was it's disappearing before the pandemic and it's it's kind of continued on and I think one of the things that we really need to do is to understand what boundaries we need to be able to have life beyond work and the first chapter really the first proper chapter on my book is called life and it's all about actually how does work fit into your life what's important to you beyond work and how do we make work fit into life and I have a real aversion to the term work-life balance for many reasons but one of them is it's not always going to be in balance what number two is why is work first there and not life and I think we just need to think about how do we it's like hang on a minute bigger than work so let's let's put that first maybe I'd be all right with life work balance I don't know but the idea of balance has us think has us thinking that there's this perfect ideal we can be balanced in this we can all achieve this and you know what sometimes that's just not possible we all know in life sometimes life takes over big events tragedies all the kind of real life stuff sometimes you're going to be more focused on the life stuff and sometimes maybe if you're going for a promotion or you're looking at a career change or you're starting a business whatever it is you want to do sometimes big projects etc take over and we do sacrifice a little bit of life for the work stuff and that is a, fl- a flexible thing and then when we think about that, I, I think that can really help so I think with boundaries, what we need to do is we need to think about, okay, what does my life life want to look like? What does my work life want to look like? And what do I do to put in place some boundaries that allow both of those things to exist at the same time? 
Hmm. And it could be some boundaries about time. So it could be around, actually, I've been sitting here sending emails at 10.30 at night. Why am I doing that? What's driving that behavior? And this might be where um, managers can look at this too. Leaders can look at this. Organizations can look at this. Is what kind of culture are we setting around the boundaries between life and working life and how do we enable people to have the lives that they want whilst also doing a great job working so for me there's something about boundaries as an individual as a leader as an organization what's the tone we want to set around what's okay work-wise what's okay life-wise how do we make sure those two things can be harmonious together even if they're not always completely balanced so my first thing is like have have some thinking about your boundaries and see where they can lead you to. Have those conversations with your team if you're a leader. And if you're an organization, you're doing some work around engagement. Have a little look at where the pinch points are around boundaries. Are people telling you that they're you know, sending emails late at night? Are they telling you that there's um, problems with encroaching onto life or vice versa? How do, we, how do we really address that? So I think that's the first one. The second really practical thing is to really consider what's the story you're telling yourself about your job. So in our minds, we all have this thing called negativity bias. It's a very helpful thing. It has existed for the whole of human existence to keep us safe. And it's there to make us think, oh, hello, there's danger over there. A bear is going to come and eat me. I should probably fight, flight or freeze. I should probably do one of those things. And it all happens unconsciously. But what also happens with negativity bias is we could have 27 things in one day that go really, really well, that bring us joy. And we could then have one thing, uh, you know, an annoying laptop that you want to throw out the window, a conversation with your boss where you felt a bit, oh, I didn't really like that feedback. We could have had a really difficult conversation with a client that's made up whatever it is that brought you some gloom that day in the real life of work we will probably spend more time ruminating on that particular bit versus the 27 things that have gone right. So I think here we need to remind ourselves of all those good things. And that's where the tracking of these things can really, really help. But remind yourself of what's going really well and to be able to think about what's the story I'm telling here. Because if I'm telling my story to other people and I'm having a good old moan and kind of going, oh, I really hate my job or I hate the organization or my boss is really bad at this or I'm just never going to get promoted. I don't see how I'm ever going to have a great career here, but I can't do anything about it because X, Y, Z. That story is never going to help you. So actually taking back control of your narrative and kind of maybe changing that from, it's really applying a growth mindset here. It's kind of saying, okay, I haven't been promoted yet, but there are some steps I can take to get there. Or saying, my boss finds this thing really difficult. How do I move beyond that? And who else can I engage to help me with that particular thing? Because we do Mm -hmm. put a lot of pressure on managers and leaders to kind of fix all our problems for us. But as I say in the book quite a lot, um, managers and leaders are actually just human beings and they're struggling and finding things hard as well so I think there's something about what's the story we're telling ourselves about work are we buying into the story of other people so often we can get caught in that kind of mood hoover conversation where people are moaning and we go oh yeah yeah that is really bad and then if we really thought about we go oh do you know what that's just real life that's just a part of how organizations work and it's something that we can accept and we can move on from so we need to really think about what are the stories we're telling ourselves are those stories true are those stories ones we want to be telling ourselves and maybe like 
in the words of Natasha Bedingfield from the 1990s in the song, like the rest is not written yet. The rest, the rest is yet unwritten. You have a chance to change that story and change the narrative. And actually by changing the narrative, you can help yourself apply a mindset which has more joy in it because you can take a bit of control. You can use the power that you do have. And it's a bit like, I've got Natasha Bedingfield and I'm going to go to the Wizard of Oz. Is that you had the power all along, Dorothy, like you're wearing the shoes. You can make choices yeah. in, in your world and in the stories that you tell yourself and the stories that you tell other people that help create a more joyful you and a more joyful other people. So I think there's something about changing your story. And then I've kind of alluded to the third one as well, is that we so often as individuals put a lot of pressure on our leaders to be perfect, to be able to understand everybody individually and to create all the kinds of things that you want in life. And obviously I'm big on making sure leaders can do all that stuff, but we do have to remember that leaders are human beings and they're often juggling 327 different things they've probably got 20 people in their team and 20 people in your team means that there's 20 different needs different preferences different ways of working that you're trying to balance and one of the things I actually think is to really change that particular story and rather think about how do I make my boss brilliant is to think about how can I be a brilliant bossy and that's not really a word But thinking about what is it that I can do to enable my manager, to engage my manager, to help my manager be the best that they can be for me. And it kind of goes back to your boundaries and it goes back to the stories and all kinds of things is that sometimes we expect our managers and our bosses and our leaders to have some kind of crystal ball that enables them to understand what we really need. So actually having some conversations with your manager says, do you know what? to get the best out of me, to make me engage and perform and do all the things that you want me to do. Here are the things I really need from you. And I know that three of these aren't in your wheelhouse because you can't be great at everything. So could you do these seven things for me? And if you can do those seven things, brilliant. And these three, I'm going to go and find a mentor or a colleague or someone in my network who can help me with the stuff that maybe I'm not so good at. So it's thinking about actually change the story from they have to be perfect number one but there's a responsibility in a relationship that we often think comes from the leaders and they have to do all this and I leaders should be good they should be well trained they should know what they're doing but they can't be expected to be perfect because we expect them to be perfect we can expect everyone to be perfect and nobody is perfect so let's look at actually how do we enable our leaders as people who receive their service of leadership to be better by being, you know, maybe more open, by being maybe more boundaries, by being really clear about what it is that's good and allowing them not to be perfect and allowing them to have some challenges and struggles. Maybe it's about saying, actually, boss, Joe, you're my boss today in this imaginary thing we're talking about. Joe, you're my boss. What is, you know, I know that this is the thing that doesn't bring you joy, Joe. but actually that would be a really great piece of development for me. Can I take that on? Can I do that? Because that gives me development. It gives me joy and it takes away something gloomy from you. So there are so yeah. many positive conversations that we could get to and great actions we could get to if we change some of our stories about the people who lead and manage us and change some of the stories about the organization as well and so often the the organization is the easy thing to blame isn't it it's like oh our organization's rubbish at this but in reality our organization is just people it's people the organization doesn't think it's not a human being it doesn't think or act so it's about getting really specific about how we can influence all of those things and obviously Mm. i'm going to put a caveat on all of this which is there are some managers and leaders out there that 
won't be good at that conversation right that's going to be a fact they're not always going to be brilliant at this and some of them might find it quite hard and there are some genuinely not good leaders out there but I think probably 95% of leaders and managers are doing the best they can and are really trying and you could help them to be even better Mm -hmm. lovely well we've just got two minutes left of the show what are your parting words for people listening either about their own work joy or what they can do to help their teams I think in parting words, uh, I'll repeat a couple of things that I've said already, which is, first of all, if you want to do it for yourself or for your team, um, track over a week what it is that's bringing you joy, what's bringing you gloom. You can do it as a really fun team exercise and think about, oh, actually, aren't we all different? Again, delight in some of that diversity and what brings us joy and what brings us gloom. And then to really consider, actually, how do we remove the gloom? How do we reframe it? Sometimes we can't remove it completely. How do we manage it? How do we learn to laugh at the gloom? Because sometimes the gloomy things, it's just like, this is just part of life and we have to have a bit of a giggle and move on about it. And I think that the the second thing I would say is as an individual, if you are a leader, which is so many of the people who would be listening to this podcast because you're organization people who want to do engagement stuff better, the best, best way you can help people and help your organization get more joy is for you to role model it. So for you to find the way that you get joy, to talk about it, to get people to understand what works for you. Because if you are encouraging everyone else to have joy, but you don't have joy in your work, it's not going to work. You need to actually do it yourself. So for the leaders, do it, see it, and then spread it, is what I would say. Brilliant. I love that last line. Thank you. Thank you so much, Beth. It's been great to speak to you again, and hopefully we'll get you back on the show in another couple of years. (laughs) Thank you so much, Joe. And yeah, I'll see you in a couple of years. Lovely. So to let you know, Jo Moffat's will be back next week. She's talking with Mark Minutas and Gaurav Batnaga, and they're talking about their book, Unfear, Transform Your Organization to Create Breakthrough Results and Wellbeing. So Jo will be back with you next week. Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.